Hey guys, it's time for the After Buzz After Show for House of Lies. We're talking season five, episode seven, 180. We got Jessica Borshiski in the house. Stick Woo! around. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Hello, welcome. It's time for the House of Lies After Show. Yeah, we're jamming. Welcome. If you haven't already, go to youtube.com slash TV. Hit subscribe. We're also on iTunes and SoundCloud. I'm your host, Yell Teagle. You can tweet at me live during the show at Yell Teagle. Let me introduce my lovely co-host, Jill is here. Jill Monroe. You can catch me on all social media. That's Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, at Stiletto Jill. And to my left... We have a special guest today. Yeah, we do. We are so excited to have... Jessica Borshiski! Yes! Welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I want to work here now. Yeah, it's the best. It's really <laughs> fun. Um, I want to talk about this episode. You are an executive producer, you are a writer, and this was your directorial debut. <gasps> my first time directing. Oh my God, how exciting. It was. It was really exciting. Um, I definitely, I told you earlier, this was my favorite episode this season. Yes. I laughed You're my so loud. Thanks. I'm usually now I like favorite. you that. <laughs> <laughs> I win. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. Gonna I have some great points to bring up. <laughs> that's true. No, that's awesome. that's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I want to start talking about Doug's TED talk because yes. that was crazy pants. Um, so we see him discussing. R- remind me the title because it was so complex. It was the Dungeon Master of your own destiny. Yes. Uh, and define <laughs> defining the. Uh, gosh, what was it? it yeah, was defining right? your inner. The inner orc inside of you, right? Orc. Defeating, defeating, defeating the level nine inner orc. orc inside you. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and you know we've been leading up to the TED talk of the whole season, yeah. And we've also been digging into Doug's secret dun- Dungeons and Dragons life the whole season. So it was really the two things converging in, in like an epic nuclear. Action. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like it's not a surprise though that he does Dungeons and Dragons. I, I mean, if you <laughs> expected one person to do it and to be the absolute master of it, it's gotta be Doug. Okay. Seeing Doug in his rare form where he can flex his muscles was so exciting to me. So actually following the whole path and he with Tess, Sabritha, against <laughs> name, which Lim had a hard time with. He didn't understand why she would pick Sabritha as her name. It's a beautiful name. <laughs> beautiful. He had it's an mystical. issue with it. Has a, it's very powerful. And- Dragon's world. Yeah. Yeah. I was excited to see Doug step up and have an area that he could actually own and have that be seen to the outside world. That's what we've sort of been waiting for. Because we know Doug has been fighting and fighting for years to try and make his own little niche within the pod. He's always the backup guy. He and Clyde go back and forth. So that's what was exciting to me, to see this other side of him and to see him not blow it. Yeah, no, and he's really rising higher with it and and it's working for him the the dungeons and dragons tools and mastery starts coming into his regular life and he starts to get a little bit on top again yeah um i love when we hear clyde saying oh that's what he's been working on at the office because i'm looking <laughs> at these props and being like where did these props come from that was actually an improv line from ben schwartz which isn't <laughs> wow. yeah he 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 always adds great improv and that was that was one from him 
it was so structured. I could just see Doug in his office, and especially because you know they're all see-through, going through <laughs> each motion. And and at this part, I break through the prop and I bust on the stage and I sit down and I bring tears out. It was great because again, you never see him on top and in control. The only thing that makes me a bit sad is that he seemed to forget about how much Tess pumped him up and yeah. pushed him to show off this other side that she's gotten to know yeah. through their relationship in Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, actually, it's, it's a morality tale. Like when we all get a taste of power, what do we do with it? And mm. we've already seen, like moments later, <laughs> he's maybe blowing it. Maybe he's forgetting his roots. Oh. Who got him the TED Talk in the first yeah. place? Yeah. So I'm so sad for that. <laughs> I, especially because we didn't get to see what happened afterwards. I'm sure he's going to check his phone and see all of these missed calls and angry texts, which he deserves. Yes, he does. Or maybe she won't be calling him. After. Ooh. She's a strong woman. Yeah. She is. She don't need him. She, <laughs> at all. I just, you know, it's sad because he finally has a woman that sort of gets him. You know, mm -hmm. Doug has been very henpecked in his relationship, so to speak, or just mm -hmm. the weaker one. He didn't find moments to take control. And so seeing this where it's kind of balanced, but you know that Tess is this powerful woman. Mm -hmm. the CEO of this rising company and, and they fit and she actually likes Doug's quirks. It's kind of sad that he doesn't see it. He's like looking past it, using her like fuel. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's an, I mean, I don't, I think Doug is always going to be his own worst enemy. Yeah. No, ma you know, no matter what. But I like that you said that he was flexing his muscles because I'd like to think that that's also about the fact that he went shirtless in his TED Talk, which he was totally did. unnecessary. But yeah. Yeah, I disagree completely <laughs> necessary. That's how all TED Talks should be. He nailed it. Pushing I mean, swords. <laughs> he got on his bike. Soul Cycle obviously touched Doug. He wanted to show off he was in supreme <laughs> physical form and yeah. fashion at the top of his game. And I think he delivered. I wonder if it went viral. Did it go viral? Do we think uh, it yeah, went viral? Yeah, for sure. It was the biggest hit on the internet immediately, right? Well, I'm sure it was. Had to be. <laughs> Not for reasons he was hoping. Right. Uh, that TED Talk was crazy. And, and what did we think <clears throat> about Marty sitting in the audience taking that moment to take in his edibles? I, I mean, that's so Marty. Oh, so Marty. I loved it. I mean, why not? They were all dreading the talk. Yeah. He had them in accidentally. He mm -hmm. just still had these, you know, souvenirs from Kush Vistas. <laughs> yeah. And so he, it was like, oh, this is, isn't this fortuitous? And uh, not knowing he was going to have to do some business right after. So I think, yeah. you know, it would have all been in good fun and, and, you know, worked out really well for Doug because Marty wound up being high enough to yeah. kind of enjoy the talk and really right. and really roll with it. But I just wish he would have shared. Like, that's what, <laughs> he's like sitting there popping them and I was like, dude, you have a whole like thing and everyone knows when you're doing edibles, you gotta be careful not to take too much, so share. Yeah, we know, we learned a little more about him. <laughs> yeah. not we all, you know, there's been lots of points this season where Marty seems to black out and mm. some, you know, his humility comes forward yeah. and we see a softer side of Marty, but he always forgets when he comes to the blackout moments. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh. You've opened him up. <laughs> trying, trying. He's, he's a stubborn man. Um, I oh, that TED talk was just so funny. <laughs> I'm trying to like uh, remember. My favorite part is with the sword when he cuts his when hand. he cuts his hand. I also love just the way Josh played it with the trying to do the moonwalk, and you yes. can understand yes. how important it was that he get the moonwalk right, and he couldn't get it right, yeah. and he. I just thought he played that so so well. <laughs> It's great. Just one thing that I really love about them as a group is that they're so quick and you can never tell if the lines are improper, if they're reading them exactly mm -hmm. scripted. Their chemistry is really almost unmatched as a quartet 
they equally shine, play off each other so well. That must be really exciting to have a group like that to write for and to, you know, come up with these amazing scenarios. It's it's like it's it's heaven. I mean, they're the they bring an energy to whatever's in the script. They bring an energy and often they're not improvising, sometimes they are, and it makes it feel so real and it makes it feel so quick and you've got to keep up and it's only a half hour show, yeah. so it's all getting in there and you know, it it's been a joy and especially the longer we've gotten to know the characters and the actors, we can really write towards it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that TED Talk might not have been, you know, season one, we wouldn't have been able to to mine it as perfectly as we were able to now. So that, you know, yeah. that's really one of the joys of having a five seasons of a show. Yeah. Like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything in the TED Talk that you uh, came up with and you were like, oh, this would be really great, but it didn't make it? Uh, there, there were some there were some crunches he did. <laughs> oh, wow. and um, sad and, that didn't make it. Yeah, no, there, it, it kind of went on, and then and then on and then we got there to filming it, and there was yeah. a sort of reality check where we only had like one. We filmed that over one full day, mm-hmm. and there was only so much we could get in in the day. And I also know the reality of what was going to end up in the in the final cut. So we so we so we trimmed it down. <laughs> Did you approach the show differently, you know, as it's your first directorial Mm -hmm. debut? How did um, your process differ with this as opposed to just, you know, writing and producing for the show? Well, you know, I didn't really write it differently, but as I was writing it, I got to think a lot about how it would play. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, part of me was torn. I, I sort of thought, well... Um, you know, would it have been more interesting to direct someone else's episode and not my own and sort of discovered something different? But I wound up being really excited that I got to sort of envision it and then see it through. And so there were elements of it that I think, you know, had I written them and someone else directed it, it wouldn't have come across quite as I didn't as I had it in my mind. So Genie High, which was really based on, you know, maybe people I know, maybe I'm asking for a friend. Like mm-hmm. so so, you know, there was a lot of that, that that we I got to bring to it in the writing and then in how in how it played. And um definitely the TED talk and even like Marty being high at the end, um, I really I so badly wanted to show because he's been high on the show before yeah. mm-hmm. and he's always kind of uh, pulled it pulled it off. So it was like, well, how can we really get across that he's in his own world and he just ate like an, like so much oh edibles God, so that much. he should not be he alive. Them like and, yeah. And so that song that plays that starts playing in his head mm-hmm. that um played through the end of, of the TED Talk scene and then begins in his head in the in the meeting scene, um, I had written that into the script and really um Design choreograph that in my in my mind as I was writing it that it was going to be a way to sort of transport us into his head and then on the day that we filmed it I asked Don to listen to that song in between takes and sort of stay in that mindset and and I think it works so well because he you can he's even kind of I mean obviously we weren't playing it on the set because you have to listen to yeah. the actors talking but but you could see him sort of dancing to the song in his head because he's been preparing with it in between takes. Wow. So it really, I think he was really sort of there. So there were so there were things about it that were really fun to have been able to write and and direct. But I'm also looking forward to directing other people's work and sort of discovering how to, you know, find find things in that process too. Yeah. Well, we will talk about the final scene and that yes. big discussion yes. and Jeannie's high because that was so great. Um, but before we do, we have a sponsor that Jill's going to tell us about. What if today was the last normal day of your life? 
Cassie Sullivan thought she knew what tomorrow would bring, but she was wrong. We were all wrong. The first wave took our power, killing half a million people. The second wave put that number to shame with tsunamis that destroyed everyone within 100 miles. Goodbye to coastal cities. After the third wave, only the unlucky remained, survivors of a virus that left only 3% of the world still standing. In the fourth wave, the others became us, inhuman beings hiding behind human faces. At the dawn of the fifth wave, we had to choose, give up, get up, or get up and fight. But that was only the beginning. In these last days, Earth's remaining survivors will need to decide what's more important, saving ourselves or saving what makes us human. Rick Yancey's number one New York Times bestselling novel, The Fifth Wave, introduces us to a group of young people struggling to survive in the aftermath of a catastrophic alien invasion. Its sequels, The Infinite Sea and the newly released The Last Star, follow them through a series of battles and betrayals as they fight the ultimate war between life and death, hope and despair, love and hate. Entertainment Weekly calls the series remarkable, not to be missed under any circumstances, and urges fans just read it. USA Today hails this as a modern sci-fi masterpiece. And best-selling author of The Passage, Justin Cronin raves in his New York Times book review, calling The Fifth Wave wildly entertaining. The highly anticipated finale is here and will leave readers stunned. Learn more about The Fifth Wave series at thefifthwavebooks.com. Awesome. And if you love books, we have the book circle online here at the AfterBuzz studios. So be sure to check that out. Um, let's talk about Kush Vistas. Yes. Um, not something you do while you're reading, I guess. <laughs> well, unless you want to read and then books come to life. <laughs> um, yeah, so we meet Kush Vistas, which mm-hmm. is this great uh, new uh, business. I'm trying to find collective. the collective, yeah, collective community. Um, the the utopia of pot. Um, I wanna I wanna ask if you're a big pothead, but I'm not going to. <laughs> or are you familiar with some people that might be right friends of yours? <laughs> well. I, I have become familiar in uh-huh. the way of the uh, of, of the Mary Jane, but right. but you know it, what's interesting about and I did a lot of research mm-hmm. about about pop business um, to you know, to do this episode. Like it's kind of funny you 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 get mountains of the real business and then maybe like four percent of it makes it into the script because mm-hmm. it's you want to make it fun. But um, you know the the connection between actually like smoking pot or doing pot and I, I, god I just sounded so old I don't know what do the kids say smoking pot smoking pot weed okay. kush kush you had kush. it right kush yeah so kush was yeah. right so um uh, and 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 being an entrepreneur in it mm-hmm. isn't isn't necessary I mean it's really because the business is so viable mm-hmm. and um and Growing, lucrative. It's like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you enjoy it. It's like get into it. So, so on this show, you know, on this episode, the 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 owners of Kush Vistas, they're who are played by Zach Knighton and Ricky Lindholm. Yeah, um, you know, they, they're definitely into it, but that's not. They're they're more about almost like a culture and a way of life mm-hmm. as their business, not necessarily uh, always stoned. Yeah. Well, I love that we have the dynamic where you know one is it's about the culture and the bit and the um, the lifestyle and the family of pot growing, and the other one is like yeah, but we're also making money here. Like this is business, yeah, a lot, yeah, and that's real. I mean, that's that's real, and and it is you know it's fascinating because it is this is a, this is thrown in there as well. Like the federal government won't 
acknowledge these businesses mm -hmm. legally so they can't have bank accounts. I mean, there's all sorts of, of rules and regulations that um, and these small business owners mm -hmm. aren't powerful enough to, to plow through. So it really it feels a lot like alcohol prohibition right. where um, when the laws start falling into place, some big businesses will come in and, and just make piles and shitloads of money. Yeah. If you look at Colorado and just mm -hmm. what they have done as far as tax money and where that money is going to schools and the amount of money that they had in overage in it, you have to expect that at some point it's just bound to happen. And I thought that what was genius about this episode was that tobacco does have a serious problem. Obviously, you know, for years, their audience, rightfully so, is being pulled back. So they have some big decisions to make and bringing the two together makes so much sense from a business perspective. And I, I thought exploring that was genius. I have it on like a little high authority that that's actually happening. It's it, a behind, you know, and they, yeah. and they really, you know, the tobacco, companies can can reach those DC lobbies and, and yeah. I think they're gonna I think that this was a little bit of, of foreshadowing a little bit of foreshadowing a little yeah, bit of a look to the future well then let's talk about um, what's going on with uh, Marty and this beautiful point that he makes that is like welcome to the world this is what's yeah. happening yeah. I l also love that he brings in Blockbuster <laughs> that was a great reference because yeah. I think about things <clears throat> like Blockbuster Tower Records if you think about it there's no reason why we should be buying our music from iTunes we should be buying it from Tower Records or Sam Giddy or any of those other old school mm -hmm. you know brick and mortars that went by the wayside because they couldn't adapt to the new business model so yeah. I thought pointing that out once again was a great point because we all had blockbuster nights and now mm -hmm. we're Netflix and chill. So that's exactly <laughs> that's what so right. happens. <laughs> that's yeah. so right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean it's 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 a it's a it's a real example that if people are stuck in their culture and it's like this Luddite mm -hmm. feeling of of well this is what we are, we're not gonna change, let the world change to us, you're gonna lose out. And I think and and so these characters who <clears throat> wanna be this kind of homegrown and grassroots yeah. and and you know, choosing to believe really hypocritically that they're still doing something for the people yeah. in this almost like socialist communal way, <laughs> but really they are getting yeah like plenty rich. It's it's I think I think it was interesting for Marty to call it out. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it was yeah. beautifully stated in his high state. Yes, um, stealing from Doug's TED talk. Yeah. Oh, about the orcs. orcs. Yes. So good. <laughs> that's so impactful. That's another moment when Marty has been in this haze mm -hmm. that he, something someone has given him, he's taken into the next level. Like when Jeannie told him he was a lion, the episode a yeah, couple right, weeks ago, right. again, with some type of psychotic, he and um, the t-shirt guy. And he used that imagery Sean to... John Cho. John Cho. Cho. Yeah. John Cho played Sean to break him down. So I thought it was great to see also see Marty taking from his peers and you that's know, really yeah he does he takes it he's always he's just a siphon for and then and then he's able to uh very sharply put it back yeah yeah that's yeah. why marty's so good at his job he's the best and that's why we love him I yes know. i want him to be my my management consultant. <laughs> um so i want to talk about genie's high because it made me laugh so hard um so for the first part that made me laugh was when she realized that doug and clyde they're the love story. <laughs> They're the love story. They should fill each other's holes. Each other's <laughs> I was dying. But that felt like the kind of thing you do think about when yeah. you're 
really high. Random That's what I thought. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, I think part of why she said that, too, was everybody's always going on about how she and Marty are mm-hmm. this, you know, the, the love right. saga and the love story. So she was, she was really, you know, I think it was her way of sort of thinking about herself and realizing, oh, no, they're really. There's more here. They're really the beautiful, yeah. perfect <laughs> yes. lovers. Yeah. I like that also Doug points out that he's also thought about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> about filling, filling each other's filling holes. Filling each other's mm-hmm. holes. How Doug. Uh, yes, seriously. How yeah. dumb. Yeah. Um, also, um, it took me until after the episode to put together her blinking at once moment. So Jeannie decides, what if the whole world blinks at once? And then she tries to do the I dream of Jeannie. Yeah. And I, you hear the sound. And I was like, oh, yeah, OK, I dream of Jeannie. It took me till after the episode to go, her name is Jeannie. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Oh, wow. What? You, I didn't even think about that. Seriously? You just stalked I writer. Wow. Seriously? You just, yeah, you oh, just We just had me. a moment. Okay, you just accepted so, me. Oh, great. That was super clever. exclusive. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we like that. Um, okay, great. Because I was like, oh, I can't believe it took me until the end of the episode to realize that. All right, I feel better now. No, I was like on the one level of just the blinking. Yeah, the blinking. I'm like, I can only think about one. One level at a time. That's Um, great. And then when she tried to eat the dog. I know. That was why. Put my dog down. You can't eat the dog. (laughs) But he told me to. That was great. It was great. Yeah. That was a We. I have a little tiny Mm -hmm. dog that I bring to the writer's room every day. (laughs) And um, she's very popular with everybody. But there's one writer in particular, Sarah Walker, who has, I, I think she's, like maybe gonna steal my dog, mm-hmm. and so she, so, so they <laughs> have a special, reasonable. they have a special bond, <laughs> and so she had pitched the joke as having my dog, whose name is Lady Mary, mm-hmm. in the scene, oh. and Lady Mary wasn't able, she was previously committed for the day, so mm-hmm. I wasn't able to use actual She's Lady Mary, yeah, she, but the joke made it in, so, <laughs> yeah. so the so dog was, knows. yeah, and that dog was almost as cute. I was like, Close. Yeah, Looked yeah. edible. Yeah, it was a delicious little dog. <laughs> and Kristen's a huge an- Kristen's right. a huge animal advocate and animal lover. So it was a, it was a really fun. Yes, we've seen the sloth day. video. Yes, there you go. So <laughs> she was, does love it, animals. Yes. Yeah, I tried to write a sloth in once, but I couldn't get it through the writers' room. <laughs> Everybody rolled their eyes at me. Oh, um, I just her trying to eat the dog was so great. It, I laughed. So, it the dog was in her mouth. Yeah, yeah. There was there was, that was the one take where the dog actually. Uh, put its head in her mouth, <laughs> and it was it was you know that's that as as my first time directing I was Nailed like it. giddy I was oh my god I can go home now it was so I was so happy yeah. uh, and she just played it so <clears throat> so convincingly too isn't there a saying to never work with animals or babies oh people tried to talk me out of that oh, shot okay. they were like oh your first time director you know don't don't give yourself this problem and I was like how was it. Nailed it. It was amazing. <laughs> I mean, send me babies, send me animals, send me an elephant. No, it was it was fine. The dog actually behaved really well, and and oh, uh, and and we actually have more footage than we even used of the dog. So, so I'll work with him again. <laughs> He's got a spot forever. I like the idea of bonus features on the DVDs being... (laughs) Look at all this footage of a dog. Well, I had it in my mind that maybe we should establish him earlier, so I have him like through different scenes, but he he didn't really make it. Just the eating. (laughs) Just the eating. Mm -hmm. It was great. It was an important moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, the episode, or the line that really concluded the episode for me is after the... um, the Kush Vista's big tobacco meeting when Marty goes, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> right. Because I went, yeah, yeah, that's what I just yeah. watched. Yeah. Uh, that actually really encompasses the TED Talks. But um, the whole episode. Yeah. No, I think everybody's just completely out of their mind in the episode in a, in a great way. I, yeah, he, 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 that whatever 
vomited out of him in that meeting right. was was uh, you know a force of of a higher power of yeah. the a edible. green higher power mm-hmm. a green higher save power. the day mm-hmm. yeah anything you want to add before we move on to the future because there's a lot to talk about in the future yes there is I just I didn't realize it was your first directorial debut it was excellent thoroughly enjoyed it from yeah. start to finish so absolutely awesome we're going to talk about Cuba mm-hmm. um, CC yeah uh, the series finale will is in Cuba, shot on location, and is the first scripted American show to shoot in Cuba since diplomatic relations were yeah. restored. Or movie, or anything. Fast and the Furious is filming there now, but right. we, we got there <laughs> months ahead. Yeah. You know. Suck it, Fast and the Furious. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a big it's a big fucking deal. It is a big yeah. fucking deal. Yeah. I think that it's a perfect show for it because throughout the show, all the issues that have been tackled and from different perspectives, straight on, always on point with the comedy aspect, so but right. never hiding mm-hmm. from the issues, you know? I, I think that it's great that you're going to Cuba. What brings them there? Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I think what you're saying is absolutely right. It wasn't just like some gimmick, like <laughs> oh, the diplomatic relations are 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 opening up. Let's, let's just go to Cuba. Let's just go there. Um, um, although, and honestly, it really was barely cracked open when we decided to go there. So it wasn't. It was really challenging to mm-hmm. make happen. But but I, I mean, there is there is really a dialogue happening now, which is ha- what will the uh, the capitalization of this country look like? How much are 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 we going to? Uh, how much will they let it be Americanized? Who's going to help it take these steps forward? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it is real. It's kind of like this. Somebody's done an archaeological dig and found a a, a, a an undiscovered uh, co- commercial part of the world. So so the idea that Marty would go there with the team and try and exploit yeah. it feels so natural. Right. And it really is mimicking I think I would imagine I'm not really, you know, privy to what Cuban officials are talking about in their spare time, but it, it, <laughs> I it, there is a lot of that dialogue going on in Cuba as well. So Absolutely. I think I think it really was like you're saying, it really was a a, a fun way to get into a, what is really a real and serious issue and um and they and we have a lot of fun and jokes there but um but it touches on the the humanity of it too yeah Yeah. um i feel like marty would absolutely be like opportunity we're going um they do have so many points in miles that team that pod they could afford to go to cuba right they fly they could afford time yeah no they they uh they do it in style they they do it up and even the quick trips the quick turnarounds Mm -hmm. i don't know they keep themselves fresh yeah, it's a real, and that's a real part of management consulting where they are on the road. A lot of management consultants don't even have homes that they've really mm-hmm. set up for themselves. They're on the road sometimes five days a week. They're in, and it's not always glamorous. And and that's actually one of the things I tried to show in this episode when they go to Washington, you know, to Washington, and they're in the Yakima Valley. It's like they're in a pretty a, a shitty rental car, and they're and yeah. they're you know they're they're probably staying at the local uh, you know Best Western Motel. They're not. It's not always Vegas. It's not always um, you know the 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 high life. So the yeah, super yeah. sexy places and spots. Yeah, sometimes. I hope Best Western's not a sponsor. <laughs> no, okay. it's not always the the douche twins. <laughs> yeah, it's not always the douchebag twins or the cruises or yeah. the yeah. So so um, so I think that that's you know they, one of the reasons they become their family together is because they don't, a lot of management consultants in real life have a hard time, you know, really being rooted with a family. 
Awesome. I'm mm-hmm. so excited. Um, I think it's time we head into predictions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, that's going to happen. <laughs> we're predicting. I just went to the future. <laughs> um, so in the promo for next week, we see that there is a boy band called Dream Out Loud. Um, they're the new One Direction. Sure. Um, and we have Jeannie versus Marty asking, what's the point? Yeah. The point is money. <laughs> Predictions. Um, well, I, so Lem and I have sort of been talking about all season that we think at some point Marty and Jeannie are going to end up back in bed with each other and sort of explore <laughs> their relationship once again. Shock. Be, shocking. <laughs> but it's the difference being that obviously Jeannie, being a mother now to little Phoebe, is thinking more about family life. Mm-hmm. So. I am thinking that Marty is going to kind of break down and continue to give in to that family life structure that he kind of missed out on with Roscoe mm. and sort of little by little and, you know, unwillingly, but opening up to it, spending more time with the family and not as focused on the pursuit of the almighty dollar, even though it remains in the forefront. Mm. That's my prediction. Wow. it's a bold wow. prediction. Well, and he's already acting like... yeah. Well, yeah, a it's a mm-hmm. softer side of Marty, you know? I mean, you're never going to get a soft Marty, but we've seen things in certain episodes, just when Jeannie came over frantic mm-hmm. with the baby mm-hmm. and he helped calm down. <laughs> Usually that's something that his dad, that he's taking the role that right. Jeremiah has taken yeah. in his life for all these years, it feels like, with he and Jeannie's relationship. So I think that um, it's just an opportunity for him to learn another level of himself that doesn't involve pursuit of the almighty dollar. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback on on that and say that since Jeremiah was like I'm not doing this you do it since then it's been really pushing him that way and I think we'll see more of it uh, I don't know if I'll see if we'll see them back in bed together but I could see them buying a house together house together well, she's, like roommate well yeah she's been looking okay. for a place to live okay. I can totally see them Picking, picking up a place together or and her moving in, mm-hmm. cohabitating, maybe separate rooms to start, you know. You're very modern. Yeah, they're very <laughs> modern. Um, but here's my prediction, and it might be crazy, but I think next episode, I'm putting a timeline on mm-hmm. it, Marty will be, um, all right, so I want to say that Marty's going to sleep with somebody but what I'd like to say really is next episode we get some nudity because there was not enough in this episode. <laughs> I did not I did not go for the for the poon. Yeah. No. And you should have. I should have. I should have. <laughs> Always. Well, my prediction is oh, yeah. you're not gonna be able to get the song that oh, this no. boy band sings out of your head wow. for two weeks. Great. It is the worst earworm you've ever had. Good, thank you. I, I'm positive that you're right. Yeah. That's gonna be, yeah. My head is already upset. <laughs> yeah. No, it's kind of delicious and wonderful okay, and good. a guilty pleasure and and uh, and yeah. It, it's taken every time I would get it out of my head, we'd have to rehear it for mm-hmm. editing or something. And so I've it's I've lived with it. <laughs> Cannot so, wait. <laughs> it was you guys wrote the song. We we wrote the song. Well, we hired somebody to write right. the song and uh, so it's and an the original boy band, song. Yeah, we created this boy band. I I feel really confident that if we were to la- launch this actual boy band with the guys playing the boy band and mm-hmm. the song, I think we would be. Um, I think we'd you be think set for life. That. I mean, I I mean, it was it was so. Um, I mean, there's an opening. There's an opening in the group lane. You know, with Zane leaving One Direction, there's an opening right there. One of these guys could step in. They are cute. They are 
They're little delicious boy band guys. Awesome. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, why don't you tell people if there's any projects that you're working on or anything that you want to plug, aside from your mm -hmm. Twitter and Instagram and everything? No, I mean, I've been working so hard on this, so we're, you know, I'm filming something now I can't really talk about okay. yet, and um, and writing something now that ooh, I can't really talk ooh. about yet. I'm very mysterious. All the surprises. That mm -hmm. means that they need to follow you on follow your me? social accounts yes. so that when these things launch, they're first. My Twitter is just, my name is Jessica with a K, so mm -hmm. um, it's Jessica B Tweets oh, is my Twitter. Good. And my Instagram is Jessica B, because I was an early adapter, so I got oh, nice. the name. With yeah. the K. With a K. Awesome. Everything's with a K. There's no Great. C. There's no C happening. Love that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. Chill. I am at Stiletto Jill on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, <clears throat> all your social media apps. Awesome. And I'm Yell Teagle. I'm everywhere at Yell Teagle. I'm going to spell that for you. It's Y-A-E-L-T-Y-G-I-E-L. -E -E and I have a podcast. It's free. It's on iTunes. It's called Intimate Interrogations. Sometimes it's filthy. Sometimes it's not. You check it out. <laughs> and we'll see you next time for more of House of Lies. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.